Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. It may also help you to walk beside other people as they are healing from trauma and abuse. There has been a topic that's been on my heart for quite some time. I actually started doing some research and just data collecting, surveying, poll, polling the women in different groups that I'm a part of to ask them, what are some of the phrases that were used to blame and shame you during your trauma? And I would just add this disclaimer at the very beginning Many of these things I have said, and many of these things have been spoken over me. So I'm not coming from a place that says, I know it all, and I've always known it all. I'm coming from the angle of know better, do better. So once we are presented with a better way, then I believe we have a responsibility to do better. So I'm just going to share... I have a very long list and this is not even exhaustive. Like I, I had to pick and choose some of the ones that were over and over again. They were mentioned repeatedly and some of the really, really sad and triggering ones I didn't even put. Well, they're all sad and they're, and they could all be triggering too. But, um, some of the ones that went, I guess, into more detail, more graphic detail, I did not include. But these are all things that um, have been spoken over me or over people that I love. And if we would just take time to breathe and to consider um, what helps and what hurts, I will do a second part to this and share some of the things that are helpful to hear. Of course, every person is different. So what may affect one person negatively may not affect everyone negatively. And what may affect someone positively may not affect the masses positively. So we obviously have to go case by case, person by person, story by story, but just some general um, guidelines for how we speak to one another and especially those who have come forward about abuse. If you are not familiar with the 13 patterns or systems of abuse, I do encourage you to go back several episodes where I unpacked that. This would be people who are coming forward and are sharing their distress from being victims and or survivors of those systems of abuse. So please go back into the archives of this podcast and um, get familiar with the 13 systems because when we do that, it does open our eyes to a world way beyond broken bones and bruises. All right, so this is a list, again, not completely exhaustive, of phrases that may blame and shame survivors. Many of these have been spoken by their spiritual leaders, people who are in positions of authority over them. So that just gives you a little bit of context. You must have sin in your life or you would not be suffering. There are so many things um, about that sentence that are wrong. And if you look at it just logically, it would mean that every single person should be suffering because we've all sinned. So there's really not good logic in that one. Blame is 50-50. It takes two or it takes two to tango. Okay, those are all very similar in their nature. And what I would say about those is where there is abuse, that is absolutely untrue. 
Blame is not 50-50. It does not take two to destroy a marriage or a relationship, and it does not take two to tango. When abuse, the patterns and systems of abuse are present, those statements are not true. You're not perfect. Who is? Who is perfect? If that logic and that was a reason for abuse to be present, the only person that ever walked the face of the earth that did not deserve to be abused was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the only man who walked on this earth and was blameless and perfect. So if we're going by that logic, we would be saying that if you're not Jesus, you deserve abuse. Simply not true. So just because you are not perfect does not mean that you deserve to be abused. Take the plank out of your own eye. Okay. There obviously is a scripture that people are pulling this from about removing the speck from someone else's eye while you have a plank that is just like hitting everybody and it's obvious to the whole world but not obvious to you. Yes, I get that. I understand that. There's logic and there's biblical context. But we do not use this on a survivor, on, on someone who has been a victim of abuse. It is not going to change her abuser for her to be told that she has sin in her life. It, it's just, it's so ridiculous that this is used against victims. Um, another thing I hear often is, well, we all have sin. And I've actually heard people say that because they stole a candy bar or stole a pen from a doctor's office, whether on purpose or not, that their sin is just as bad as a child rapist. Okay, that is what we call sin leveling, and it is not biblical. It is not. Yes, we have all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory, and we all have things we need to confess to him. It does not mean that a person who steals a candy bar and a person who rapes children are the same in God's eyes. That's not, it's not the same at all. The consequences, the um, penalty, the justice for those two sins are vastly different. So we need to be very, very careful that we are not sending this message that just because someone has sinned, they deserve to be abused. Or just because someone has sinned, they are the same as someone who has hurt children. That's not, that's not the word. That's not biblical. What did you do to make him dot, dot, dot? Okay, that is blaming 100%. What did you do that made your abuser dot, dot, dot? Stop saying that to people. Stop it. Abusers choose to abuse. There is nothing that we are doing that makes us deserving of being abused. Stop saying that. You made him do it along the same lines. And then when women come forward about um, infidelity and um, porn addiction, things of that nature that their, their husbands are um, involved in, this is very, very often the answer that is given to them by their spiritual leaders. You need to give him more sex. I want you to think about that for a moment. Again, if we are using logical brains, how in the world does that even make sense? So when there is a sex addiction and there is um, serial adultery, porn addiction, etc., 
Would you say to a drug addict, you just need to give him more drugs? Would you say to an alcoholic, you just need to give him more alcohol and that will solve all the problems? This does not even make sense. And yet this is what is spoken over women time and time again. And that also causes her to feel that she is responsible for him straying. A wonderful, wonderful resource in this regard is Sheila Ray Gregoire's The Great Sex Rescue. She debunks so many myths and so many toxic teachings that are promoted by Christian authors and leaders. And I would just greatly encourage you, if you do not have that book yet, grab it. Um, I did a, an interview with her a couple months ago. You can go back to the archives and hear that as well. So stop saying to women who are coming forward with spouses who are having affairs and addicted to porn that they need to have more sex. That is not the answer. You need to pray more. How many of you um, went to see the movie, The War Room? I remember going to see that movie and sitting there and weeping in my seat afterwards. I wept and I wept because the message that was spoken to me was if you prayed more, he would not do this and he would not do that. And that is a message that we need to stop sending. Prayers are not magical. Prayers do not control other people. All right, that would give us us that would give us power that only God, you know, should ever possess over people. That would be manipulative. It would not be good. That is not the purpose of prayer. Um, so please stop telling people that if they prayed more, that their abuser would stop abusing them, or that their husband would stop having adultery. You need to nag less. Again, same. You need to submit more. Hmm. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> but let's just say that submitting to an abuser does not keep you safe. So let's stop saying that to people who are coming forward and expressing fear and concern about their safety or the safety of their children. Submission has been used and has been weaponized in the church and used against women for generations and it needs to stop because before it ever says, before the scripture ever says, wives submit to your husbands, the verse prior to that says, submit to one another. We have not been taught this word in proper context. We've not been taught this word according to the heart and the character of Abba Father. And we need to stop telling women to submit more to abusers. Boys will be boys. <laughs> Many of you know that I am a mother of three young men and I have never, never, ever liked the phrase boys will be boys. Those words will not come out of my mouth unless they are rolling my eyes and discrediting this, this statement because that is not a statement that I have spoken over my boys. Boys will be boys who grow up to become men. So let's train them while they are young how to treat the world around them, especially women, so that they grow up to be godly men, faithful husbands, and loving fathers. Can I get an amen? Don't say that to me. Boys will be boys. What were you wearing? So anyone who has been physically, um, sexually assaulted, this is a very common weapon um, that is used against those who have been assaulted sexually. And we are going to stop saying that. We are gonna stop shaming 
a woman should be able to be laying on the side of the road naked, although I don't know why too many women would be in that position. But hypothetically speaking, a woman should be able to be laying on the side of the road completely naked and a man who has honor and character and strength and godliness should be able to take a blanket and cover her up and keep walking and get her help, not assault her. That is bullcrap and we need to stop saying that. We need to stop it. Purity culture has done us some serious, serious harm and we need to get back to calling to account the person who does the assaulting, not the person who is hurt. You're just bitter. I do appreciate my friend Rebecca Davis and the video that she has on YouTube. If you just go to YouTube and type in Rebecca Davis and bitterness, a wonderful teaching about bitterness will pop up. And let's just say, once again, this is a concept that has been misrepresented and taught completely out of the context of God's heart and character. And we need to stop saying this to victims and survivors. You're unforgiving. Again, I cannot tell you how many times these two, you're bitter, you're unforgiving. I cannot tell you how many times those were used against me. And what we need to learn is that safety, the safety of the victim comes long, 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 maybe years before the word forgiveness ever needs to be mentioned. We need to care about helping her get to safety. We need to care about helping her children be safe, body, mind, and spirit, long before we ever talk about forgiveness. And forgiveness is simply not what we've been taught that it is. It's an act of justice. <laughs> there is a wonderful series that Jimmy Hinton does on forgiveness in his Speaking Out Against Sex Abuse um, podcast. If you go to episodes 33 through 37, he unpacks what true biblical unforgiveness is in a way that will blow your mind and it is not like I have ever heard a pastor preach before and yet it is what as I've wrestled with the concept of forgiveness it's the conclusion that I came to long before I ever met Jimmy Hinton so I'm grateful 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 for pastors who understand trauma for pastors who understand abuse and who want to get to the biblical root of what these words actually mean you're caustic you're controlling those are all along the same vein. Stop living in the past. Mm, stop playing the victim. Again, these are phrases we need to not say. You need to forgive and forget. Did you know that forgiveness is not forgetting? You know that God is all-knowing and he cannot forget anything. He doesn't get amnesia. He is God. So this concept of forgiving and forgetting has nothing to do with the word of God. There's no biblical foundation for that at all whatsoever so we need to stop telling people to forgive and forget the brain remembers the body keeps the score we don't have control over what we remember we have control with, of what we do with those memories and we can learn to self-soothe self-calm self-regulate yes but we cannot be telling people that just because they remember something means that they are unforgiving and bitter but that happened so long ago Nope. The trauma is still there and we need to let people unpack it. Everything happens for a reason. Some people get really upset when someone says that this statement is hurtful and harmful, but understand that when you have endured tremendous amounts of trauma, this is not a helpful statement. 
Can God bring good from everything that is bad? Yes. But did God himself cause the harm? Did God himself cause the trauma? Did God himself cause the abuse so that something good could happen? Absolutely not. No way. He is our loving father and he gave us free will. And with free will, people make rotten choices. That's why things happen. But to have this, everything happens for a reason and try to spiritualize it. Let's stop doing that to people. God has called you to suffer. Do you know that Jesus laid down his life on the cross and he gave up his life? He did that. He did that for us. And when we tell people that they have to suffer and they have to sweat drops of blood like Jesus did, there is a form of um, heresy and idolatry in those statements. So no, God does not call us to suffer. For his name, would I, would I stand and suffer for um, and not renounce my faith in Jesus Christ? Absolutely, I would do that. But am I going to suffer because someone is abusing me and getting away with it year after year? No, that is not the same thing. You haven't died yet. Yes, people have said that to women. People have said, well, you haven't suffered like Jesus has because you're still alive. You haven't died yet. So you just need to keep suffering. Oh my gosh, really, people have said this. But you stayed with him. Mm. Yeah, she stayed with him because she was scared to leave him. She was scared what he may do to her or the children. She was scared that she may not financially make it. She was scared that she would lose her support system. So many conservative church cultures will completely excommunicate a woman from leaving her abuser. She stayed with him because she didn't feel that she had an option, not because she was safe. You should stay for the sake of the kids. Gretchen Baskerville in her life-saving divorce book um, and beyond has done a lot of research and studying about the actual data that does not support this statement that kids will just be completely messed up if they grow up in a home without two parents. A broken home can be broken with two parents or with one parent. So we need to remember that just because mother and father are present does not mean that home is, is healthy and whole. That home can be very broken with both people present. So let's stop putting this guilt, this weight on women. You just need to dot, dot, dot. You should just dot, dot, dot. Anything that, and I, these are the ones that I know I've said a lot. Because I want to fix it, I want to solve it, but I have learned through um, many times of messing up and I have learned from my mistakes that we cannot decide for anyone else because 24-7, she is the one that has to live it out. She's the one who has to walk it out. And so we don't get to decide for anybody what she should do. And even using the word should, could, just, those words typically are accompanied with some sort of advice or some sort of expectation that we're putting on them. And these are areas that I really, really need to work on. You need to move on. That also is tied back to the bitterness and forgiveness thing. And let's just be real. When you have suffered from years, perhaps decades of trauma, there is no just moving on. <laughs> It, it does not happen that quickly. Um, a friend of mine told me about how she had just found out about her um, husband. She was separated at the time, but they were not divorced, and her husband had a new new girlfriend. 
and had had multiple affairs in the past. And so she went to her counselor just a couple of days after finding out that he had this, this new relationship and she was pretty tore up because it brought back the trauma of the previous affairs. And her counselor literally took her hands and slapped both hands down on the arms of her chair and said, you just need to get over it. Well, my friend never went back to that counselor because that is not how a counselor should speak to someone. And this was literally days after finding out the news. So let's not say that. Go home and love your husband. Pretty much every single ladies retreat that I ever attended prior to 2021, this was the message. Regardless of what he's doing, regardless of what is going on, you just go home and love your husband. So a lot of women that went to the called to peace retreat and a lot of the women that came to our held and healed retreat were kind of shaken in their boots because that's what our, um, that's what our history has shown. And we were just quick to say that is not what you're going to hear here. You should not talk bad about him or her. Well, it's your story. And with your safe people, your counselor, your support team, your advocates, your people that are trustworthy, you need to talk it out. That's the way that you begin to heal. You're just expecting too much or nobody's perfect or he's not God, anything along that vein. That is not an excuse for abuse. This is God's plan for your life. Kind of back up to the everything happens for a reason one. This is God's plan for your life. And can I just say right here and right now, dear sisters, God's plan for your life is not abuse. God's plan for your life is not strife. God's plan for your life is not infidelity. God's plan for your life is not broken covenants and broken vows. That is not God's plan for your life. So if you believe that you made a decision and because you made a decision, you're stuck for the rest of your life, know that that's not God and that you do have options. Stop exaggerating. Um, I'm telling my story. <laughs> it's my truth. It's not exaggerating. God hates divorce. Okay, back to Gretchen and many others who have gone back to the original context of this. This is not even what God's word says. He hates the hardness of heart that leads to divorce. But divorce is actually God's provision to get his people out and to safety. Divorce in and of itself is not a sin, <laughs> okay? Sin and abuse cause divorce, but divorce is not always a sin. Not every marriage is holy and not every divorce is unholy. So let's stop saying that. You'll regret this. You'll ruin your kids if you leave your husband. But he's such a nice, fun, funny, fill-in-the-blank guy. Yeah, maybe in public but you don't go home with him and you don't know what he's like behind closed doors. So stop saying that to people. You're emasculating him. Keep your side of the street clean. Again, nobody's perfect. Hush until you heal. Ooh, that sounds so cute and catchy and it looks really good on a meme. It's just not truth. Again, stories shared in safe places is where healing begins and where healing accelerates. So do not hush until you heal. Find safe people. And I pray, I pray for safe people. A husband can't rape his wife because they are one flesh and her body belongs to him. Okay. 
That is not truth. A husband can rape his wife. Her body does not belong to him. And this, once again, is something that has people have twisted scripture and they have taken things out of context and it's not truth. So let's stop saying that. And again, Sheila Ray Gregoire, Great Sex Rescue, she talks about that. There's a lot of great stuff that Sarah McDougall has written. There is a thing called marital rape. It is real and it's a crime and should be reported. You can win him over silently by your meek and quiet spirit. Mm. It's not abuse unless he puts his hands on you, unless he leaves a bruise, unless he leaves a mark. Again, go back to the 13 systems and patterns of abuse. That was shared in Sarah McDougall's book, Safe Churches, and I use that often just to bring awareness to the many patterns and systems of abuse. Focus on being the perfect wife, then you can worry about what he's doing. Mm. We all have crosses to bear. These, again, are statements we need to stop saying to victims. Are you being joyfully available to your husband? If you were, he would not stray. If you guys are getting triggered, I'm getting triggered right now. <laughs> Take a couple deep breaths. In and out. Even, you know, push pause. You're at minute 25. You can come back later and finish this. If this is too much at once, I just really want this to be out there for people who maybe just don't know how much their words are affecting people who are coming through trauma. So if you need to take a break, I respect that wholly. Now that you are divorced, you need to just get on with your life. Nope. It doesn't work that way. Now that you're divorced, you have to start over your life. You have to rebuild your life from the ground up. Many women have to go out and find employment after being at home with their children for decades, raising them, homeschooling them, taking care of them. Um, many of us are dealing with chronic health issues that came as a result of ongoing trauma. So um, just going on with your life, it's just not that simple. When there is a physical death and someone dies, there are cultural norms and expectations. Funerals and food and support and people showing up and you're allowed to talk about it. When you go through a divorce, those same things are just not socially acceptable. Can we change that? Can we change that, please? Because this is a death like no other, a betrayal like no other. And we need to stand by women who are going through this instead of telling her just to pull herself up by the bootstraps and move on. On the day my ex remarried, I was told that I needed to be his biggest prayer warrior. This is another quote. I laughed and said, nope, that's a soul tie issue. My soul is no longer knit to my lying, cheating, abusive ex. Don't tell somebody they need to become a prayer warrior for the person who abused them. Trust me, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And once that marriage is dissolved and that divorce is official, she does not have to do that ever again. Never again. Because that would continue to keep her soul knit to his. She can pray prayers like, God, please, for the sake of my children, <laughs> bring him to salvation, bring him to repentance. That type of a prayer, yes. But saying that he needs, you need to become his biggest prayer warrior. What the what? You and God made a contract before you were born. He asked you to go through this so you can learn lessons that go with it. I can't even with that one. 
someone actually said that. A spiritual leader actually said that to someone I know. And then with regard to his abuse, you triggered him. Your kid triggered him. Really? Seriously? Don't we all have buttons that get pushed? Don't we all get triggered? It does not give us an excuse to abuse someone else. This person said, my ex refused to work and someone told me that I was called by God to provide for our family. Mm-mm-mm. Hmm. No. Call that man to account and tell him. Now, I, it's fine. It's fine if a wife wants to work. That's fine. It's not fine for a husband not to work because he's lazy and he doesn't want to work. Stop expecting your husband to meet your needs. Only Jesus can meet your needs. Okay. You're his help meet. Yeah, no. <sighs> that does not mean that you are his doormat, people. You need to dress sexier. If you dress sexier, then he will not look at other women. Not true at all. At least he doesn't dot, dot, dot. This is a big one. A lot of women believe that just because he doesn't put his hands on her and he doesn't cheat on her and he doesn't do this, that, or the other, that he is a good husband. But when she looks at the 13 patterns and systems of abuse and sees way too many other things that are happening, quickly understands Jesus and his word, God's word are the standard, not the dude down the street that does X, Y, Z. So don't compare to someone else, but look at the standard that God has set before us for holiness and godliness. He can't get through life, this, next year, his illness, whatever, without you. So that is totally guilting her into staying. And um, I have friends who have dealt with an ex who was horrifically abusive and then after divorce he got chronically ill and then they felt responsibility and people put responsibility on her but that is not that is not her um her weight to bear without a test you cannot have a testimony okay that one just needs to be blech, blech. <laughs> it's just another one of those that sounds super cute and super like just trendy and looks cute on a meme. But to say that to someone who is in trauma is not helpful. Poor guy. He had a rough childhood. A lot of people had a rough childhood. Does not give them a license to grow up and abuse others. You need to forgive or you're not going to go to heaven. Again, refer back to Jimmy Hinton's series about forgiveness in his podcast. Incredible. You should have known better. Oh, yes. You chose to marry him. You knew what you were signing up for. So all of those are blaming her. Seriously? He lied. He presented himself as something that he was not. I thought that I was marrying this person and he ended up being this person. Stop blaming her for his abuse. God allowed this to happen so you could be a blessing to others. Hmm. No, it happened. You can be a blessing to others, but God was not up there going, I just want to make so-and-so's life a living hell so she can bless other people. That's not how this works. If you were a better wife, he wouldn't be struggling so much. You should lose weight, dress up more, and wear more makeup. Mm. He's just under a lot of stress. He's allowed to do those things to you because you didn't give him what his, he needed. You need to get used to the word sex. Start by carrying around the word on a piece of paper in your wallet. Those words were spoken by a quote-unquote Christian, quote-unquote counselor, 
who then handed her the word sex on a piece of paper and told her to carry that with her. Are you for real kidding me? This was counsel given to her. Someone else was asked, do you bruise easily? Um, yeah, when somebody puts their hands on me, I bruise easily. Oh, my word. Judge ye not, lest ye be judged. Jesus was abused unto death. Have you died yet? So apparently this has been spoken multiple times because it's very similar to one in the previous list. You are not his mother. You are not his Holy Spirit. Holding someone to account is not trying to be his mother or his Holy Spirit. He is the mission God has given you. If you die, it is for God's glory. God hates divorce. Oh my word. That's where my list ends. And I just need to take a deep breath right now. Whew. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Words can crush a soul. And when a soul has already been crushed by an abuser, they need for us to come and hold them. And just a couple of simple phrases I will share right now so that you don't have to wait for the next one is, I believe you. Wow. Those three words carry so much power. Be genuine. Don't just say it if you don't mean it. But for someone who has been abused and who has been hiding it for so long to have someone look her in the eye and say, I believe you will minister deeply to her heart. I'm here for you. And mean it. If you're going to say it, mean it. I'm so sorry you're hurting. Sometimes that's all we need. We just need someone to say they're sorry. You don't deserve this. You didn't deserve this. There's nothing you could ever do to deserve to be treated the way that you were treated. I love you. I see you. I hear you. I'm going to stop by one day this week and bring you some food so that you can take a break from cooking. Which day would suit you best? I know that I mess up and say, how can I help? I do that. And most people do not want to accept help. But when you offer something very specific and say, I'm going to be stopping by one day this week with a meal for you and your kids, you pick the day. I think she will probably accept that offer. If she is someone that you're close to and she knows that you are safe and that you can be trusted with her children, Offer to give her an afternoon off so she can go take a nap. So that she can go do something for herself. So she can run errands by herself or meet a friend for coffee. There are so many ways that we can show up and love on people who are going through crisis. And let's start looking at abuse survivors, divorced and single mamas, with the same care that we would look at someone who has lost someone to physical death. Can we change in our mindset and look at them as spiritual widows? I remember years ago, I presented that concept to leaders that I at the time respected and thought were next to God. 
I presented the concept of spiritual widows and they literally laughed in my face. Literally laughed in my face. And yet more recently in conversations with safe pastors, that concept of spiritual widows has been brought up again and I just felt my heart was being hugged. I felt my heart was being hugged when a man of God, a pastor, who's trauma-informed, domestic violence-informed, and has learned to become a safe haven for survivors, use the term spiritual widows. Church, let's do that. Let's take care of these women as we would widows of physical death. They need our love. They need our support. This is not in any way taking away from or minimizing physical widowhood because that is tragic and traumatic and it has its own layers of grief and sorrow and suffering and loss. I would never want to take from anybody the reality of that pain. Can we add to it and take care of the spiritual widows among us? So I hope that for those of you who have heard these phrases, I hope that today truth comes in and penetrates your heart and says to you, this isn't God and this isn't his word and this isn't his heart and this isn't his character. And I pray that you will feel seen, heard, loved, and believed. And for those of us who have used some of these phrases, maybe we were well-meaning at the time, Simply, if God brings to our minds or our memory a specific person that we spoke these things to, go and say, I am so sorry. I'm sure that was hurtful. Will you please forgive me? And then just know better and do better. Nobody is perfect. Nobody's going to get it right all the time. There's probably a thousand other things that could be added to this list. Let's choose our words using wisdom and grace and mercy And when we mess up, let's ask forgiveness and let's just know better and do better. So I pray, I hope that this is encouraging even while it is very hard to hear these things. That we can all take away something from this. That these were words that were spoken over people that I know and love. These are not made up. These are not um, pretend These words have been spoken and they have re-victimized and re-traumatized people who were barely keeping their head above water. Father, I come to you today and I ask that you would make us a people who love you, who love others, who love justice and mercy and righteousness. I pray, God, that we would use our mouths to honor you, to honor other people. I pray that you would help us to be mindful of those around us who have been wounded And that we would not be ones that kick them or shoot them while they are down. But we would be ones that lift them up and point them towards hope and healing. We thank you, God, for sparing our lives and keeping us from death. When the enemy intended evil, evil things and destruction for so many of us, God, you preserved our lives and you have placed us here to be beacons of light and hope for other people. So help us, Lord, to teach others to know better and to do better. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, ladies, you're welcome to join us on Facebook at Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. If you need to contact me about anything else, you can find me at heatherelizabeth.org. So I pray today that you would feel held even as you are being healed. Blessings. Mm-hmm.